Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at RiderFlex. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the RiderFlex show for updates on new episodes. And by the way, if you haven't already, check out the book we recently launched, The RiderFlex Guide, Inspiring and Hiring, available for purchase on Amazon. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Carlos Salaf and Pete Batar on the Rider Flex podcast. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning, Steve. Doing well. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. I can't wait to get into it. I mean, fascinating uh, what you guys are doing uh, at Leo Flight. Um, I want to hear all about it because uh, I've always been uh, interested in that kind of stuff and uh, space and flying and sci-fi and Star Trek and all of it. So, uh, I, you know, got my attention for sure. So I got lots of questions. But before we get there, how about a little personal stuff? Uh, I don't know who wants to start, uh, Carlos, or Pete, uh, whoever wants to start, but maybe some background, right? Like family, mom, dad, siblings, where you grew up, some stuff like that. So, Carlos, you, go for yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm the son of a, a violinist, quartet violinist. Uh, Oh, looks like we lost Pete, but I'm sure he'll uh -oh. be, he'll dip back in. Uh, he'll dip back in. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he will. He will. Um, yeah, so my father is a, an accomplished violinist. He started a, a quartet when I was a kid. I, I was born in 77, so before I was born. So he's one of the first people to not only make a career as a violinist, but also create a, a quartet, so, sort of early days for that sort of thing. And they ended up touring all over the, the world. And we were often on airplanes and because um, he would take the family, you know, on trips. And so that was a huge privilege to be able to do that. And I fell in love with flight through that experience oh. with flight and just being surrounded by by art and being surrounded by, you know, that kind of it is entrepreneurial in, in a way to do something that seems so abstract to people and make a career out of it. Um, so that was a big influence on me. And I had others in my family who are artists, sculptors, um, photographers. And uh, my aunt was a, a famous textile designer. My, my um, grandfather was an engineer and helped build my cousin's text, textile machines, my great cousin. And so Pete, hey, Pete, can you was, put us on? Can you put us on mute? I want to make sure I'm not getting some background. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Just want to make sure I'm not getting. Go ahead, Carlos. Yeah, yeah. So. I grew up just just building uh, model airplanes and flying RC planes and, and also radio control cars and rockets. I was always fascinated by this notion of travel, oh. of being able to kind of go into a machine that would transport you sort of to another world and that you could like enter this machine and then exit it and you're in a totally different environment. And the speed involved and the, the whole concept of it were always fascinated me. And I ended up finding a career in automotive design Mm. um which and went to school is, went to school for it right went to school for i design. did yeah yeah i did i went to art center college college of design in pasadena which is one of the best schools for automotive design for those people out there who are interested okay. in that okay. um and that really um you know launched me on this career it, and it's it's really like a it's 
and function. It's combining the two in a way that flows. That's kind of how I describe it. And um, I worked at Mazda for about nine years in the Southern California um, concept and production studio. We did a bit of both. And then I went on to do my own consult, uh, both on high performance cars. And, and um, I worked at a company for a while doing uh, mobile office interiors, creating these space age, you know, internet connected interiors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been fascinated by by sort of travel and, and speed and, and that whole concept. And when I saw sort of a technological tipping point happening, you know, in the last three years or so, um, I became really fascinated by what I was seeing with um, urban air mobility. But I also thought there's got to be a better way to do this um, that goes beyond these electric helicopter kind of shuttle bus form factor things in a more automotive way to look at practical and safer way, a more elegant way. And um, I started looking for a partner to work on it with. And I saw Pete um, through this Boeing GoFly competition that he was involved in and that he was creating these compact propulsion systems, these electric jet systems. And that really intrigued me. And I reached out to him and we, we both saw the potential together of this integrating what he was doing with my background and sort of what I was coming with. And we, we essentially um, arrived, we've been working together two and a half years and arrived at the concept of Coop, which we can get into more, but I'd love to okay. hand it off to Pete to talk about himself a little bit. I appreciate that overview. Before we go to Pete, let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, so your, your mom and dad still alive, Carlos? Yes. Yes, they yeah. are. Okay. They're, they're and- doing real well. I'm so grateful for that. And you live in New York and how about them? Yeah, they're in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I see. Yeah, I was raised in upstate New York, actually. And then uh, they ended up moving to Cleveland where my dad got a job. And um, yeah, so that's where they are now. I see. Very good. And uh, and how about yourself now? Are you a single uh, partners marriage? What's the story? I'm married. I've been married since 2003. I have a a 12 year old daughter, 16 year old boy. So we're already going on 17 here this month. So we're up for thinking about college and thinking about, you know, encouraging him to, you know, find his path and, and his way, you know, through life. So. Uh, well, he, that's gotta be cool when he, when, when he tells his friends what his dad does, right? He's like, oh, my dad builds flying cars, you know, no big deal. <laughs> Probably a bit of a flex, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally. Yeah. Right. He's got to use that to his advantage. I would think that's so good. Uh, okay. Uh, how'd you meet your wife and what does she do real quick? Yeah, that's thank you for asking. That's so so cool of you. And I didn't have a chance to give my mom props too, but she was also highly influential in my background. But okay. um, my um, so my wife is a writer, and huh? she's a, a fiction writer, and uh, really? so she's she's writing novels and writing short stories, and so the kind of artistic thread definitely runs through the family. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And are your kids like that too? Well, my daughter is very creative. Um, I mean, everyone, I think everyone's creative in some way, but she's creative in, in fabricating things. She's very into um, creating uh, jewelry and, and doing makeup and doing short films and costumes. And um, so maybe more on the fashion design side, but um, extremely resourceful and creative. And, and my son, he's more like, the genius and jock kind of combination he's oh, really oh, into okay. sports all right uh, does well in sort of the, the stem sciences um nice. so 
but he's he's you know just really funny too um so he <laughs> his friends like being around him because he makes them laugh so i don't know that he's definitely that's the good. world's open to you know potential of what he could do so that's good i appreciate you sharing all that thank you have you always been a good guy doing the right things carlos or did you ever get in trouble of when course you were not did you, did you <laughs> of course ever... i've gotten in trouble <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, uh, I, I, i'm i'm curious i'm a very curious person so i don't take okay. things at face value and what people right. say is you know the structure has to be this way or that way i'm always questioning that so of course that's gotten me like into the onion patch a few times <laughs> <laughs> You didn't happen to see the, uh, I just saw a clip and that's how I found you, by the way, I saw your, I think I saw your TikTok video first and then I found you on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, I think. Uh, but I just saw this TikTok video of this famous violinist. I apologize. I can't remember his name, but he just did a, uh, like a test, uh, thing, but he, I guess he played to a sold out show, I think in New York, uh, younger guy, um, played to a sold out show super famous violinist and then he went to the subway and played for tips and the whole experiment was you know um if you don't recognize the name you know you, you don't really recognize the 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 talent sometimes and and the point of the whole exercise was everybody has some talent just because they're not known uh publicly doesn't mean they aren't talented anyway he played in the subway for a couple hours and only got like 30 dollars of tips meanwhile he had just played to a total sold out show you know and the whole thing was you know everybody has some talent if you'll just kind of look look and uh, look deep inside and give them a chance uh they got some talent to your point everybody's a little bit creative so uh, that's a great anyway, story anyway pete um Give us the background, man. Were, were, were you uh, like a, a rebel? Were you in jail a few times? What, what, give us the, give us the, <laughs> give us the family story. Give us the story. Yeah, so uh, just kind of trace back. My parents uh, are both immigrants. My father is from Syria, and my mother's from Lebanon. So I was pretty much raised as a hostage. Um, and uh, they uh, just, you know, had a good good upbringing generally. We moved around a lot. I was born in Michigan, lived most of my life in Portland, Oregon, though. Okay. And had a real passion for flying ever since I was about six years old. Okay. And just wanted to, you know, I got on an airliner for the first time, I think, when I was six. And uh, it kind of stuck with me. And uh, I became, I started flying, getting involved in flying in a, at about 13 years old. And then I, I started, I bought into an airplane and started flying at about 19, like on my, like start taking flight lessons at 19. Wow. And I've been a pilot most of my life. I've enjoyed, you know, just single engine kind of stuff, but I've also flown a lot of odd aircraft, like powered parachutes. Oh. Light dream. Okay. You know, especially like the whole idea of a wearable aircraft. Um, paraglider things like that and so when powered paragliding became a thing in the mid 90s i was one of the first people to do that really start learning okay. that stuff yeah. and uh, and then uh i started doing other things and uh, working in defense and uh, I, I had an opportunity it kind of turned into a business um doing systems that destroy roadside bombs and we were building that stuff for iraq and afghanistan and um in parallel, though, I was still kind of interested. And once I had a little bit of funding, I started kind of self-starting 
some personal flight projects with gas engines and things like that. And then eventually transitioned to electric in about 2011. I started playing with electric motors and stuff like that and um, developing propulsion ideas. And, you know, my still my goal was sort of this electric jet pack that you could wear and uh, developed that for a while. We, we had the GoFly prize that, that Carlos mentioned uh, was came in second place in that competition uh, for the uh, innovation showcase. Technically there was no second place. It was more like there was, there were only two qualifying teams that competed for the prize that had full-sized aircraft. And I was one of those I actually out the winner, but it was a, uh, it was an aesthetics contest as well for that phase. I see. Um, so I, uh, I didn't get the grant, the prize there, but the grand prize for a million dollars is still available. And I'm vying for that at this point. And Carl, oh, really? and I, okay. yeah, we're working on a, a, a new design to kind of pursue that uh, over this next year. So we're, we're uh, kind of excited about that. But anyway, um, the GoFly prize, I think the greatest thing that came out of that was my relationship with Carlos and calling me out of it just from the publicity from that. So uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I last year developed um, the jetpack a little bit further with a contract with DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, kind of the the elite, you know, R&D arm of the, of the Defense Department and uh, was lucky enough, fortunate enough to get a, a contract with them to develop the jetpack and the powered paraglider a little further and did that. Um, still excited about that concept and uh, hopefully developing that further as well. But uh, that propulsion, that that scheme that we had kind of I had kind of come up with you know early on on distributed small electric engines in little jets working together to create thrust um is pretty exciting and that's that's an enabling technology that allows Carlos's designs to fly and mm. so between him and me you know he's the artist and the designer uh I'm the the guy that actually makes it fly is, you know, between the two of us, we really cover each other really well. And I'll just say just, you know, my props to, to Carlos is he's the best partner I've ever had in business in the 30 years or so that I've had my own companies. And um, he's yeah. also just a super responsible worker. Like he works hard as I do. And, and we both are very hands-on. We're both very, you know, serious about what we do but also have a mind for marketing have a mind for the business side of it i trust his advice he trusts mine i mean it's just been a great relationship so i i just i strongly believe that not only is our technology the technology that's going to win the day but our team is the team that's going to win the day and that's 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 pretty special that's a pretty special confluence yeah. yes so, yep. thank you thank thank you for that overview i really appreciate it uh pete so Pete, um, were you an engineer uh, with your education or because or, it sounds like you went from pilot to engineer and now you're both? <laughs> I, was, I was never an engineer by training. Uh, okay. Um, so I have learned everything by just doing it. And uh, my business, my degree was in business and systems analysis. Wow. Wow. So I, I did you know, all of this stuff out of passion pretty much and just learned wow. by doing the thing was there wasn't nice. really there's not a lot of education even now in this space. I mean the mm -hmm. whole idea of vertical takeoff and landing aircraft and drones and that kind of thing. 
it's only really been a thing for like 10 years. So gotcha. there's been a lot of formal training that you can even get. It's, it's a lot of it is by doing, um, you, so you, and that's, there's kind of lower barriers to entry that way. Very yeah. few people can claim a PhD in drone technology or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't even know if such thing exists at this point. If it does, right. it's rare. Um, <laughs> and even, even then I wouldn't necessarily put a lot of value in a degree if you yeah. haven't actually done stuff, Yeah, you know, yeah. but yeah. I, I have 17 patents in a variety of fields, everything from wind turbines to missile defense to, uh, you know, electrical systems for counter ID to aircraft. And nice. Nice. Congrats. I've, oh, thanks. Yeah, it doesn't do you a lot of actually, uh, patents. Patents are only as good as the commercialization you do with the product. <laughs> you mentioned um, the importance of a co-founder. It, it really, I can't emphasize for the listeners enough. You know, we have a lot of people that listen to this show that are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. You know, you, you got to enjoy the, the people you work with, especially during a startup situation with co-founders. I mean, you just got to enjoy being around them just the person that they are i mean outside of the business outside of the functional skill set balance if they're just good people and you can trust them with things and you can talk about anything it's it's so important during this early phase the work ethic balance that you mentioned do they same do they have the same work ethic morals values all of that uh it's absolutely critical and i've seen so many small business uh, startups fail because the relationships crumble. And, and that happens even when there's a great product, even when there's a great idea or a great technology, if the people don't get along and mesh, doesn't matter. <laughs> so I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, Pete, uh, real quick about your family. Uh, so you married kids, what's what's partners, single playing the field. What, what's going on with Pete? No, I'm, I'm married. I've been married 26 years. My wife, and then I've got two kids, Nick and Ella, uh, 20 and 17, almost. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Nick was actually an intern for us at Leo Flight this last summer. He actually did a lot of work with us in office. Wow. So, um, he's uh, he's a good kid. Uh, he's a he's a sophomore at Purdue this year, studying finance and account and uh, economics. So very nice. Okay, great. So your children uh, are roughly a same, or, you know, close to the same age range for the kids for you guys. Yeah, his uh, Carlos's son and my daughter are the same age and grade, and uh, his daughter's a little younger. My son's a little older, so but yeah, we have kind of a little bit of overlap there. And um, you know, you talk about the mesh between co-founders. Um, I think the biggest thing, and I've, I've heard this said before about other companies when you joint venture or when you partner with other companies, even there's three things you look for: it's vision, values, and culture. And uh, that's something that we really align. I think all all three of those things, Carlos and I, align really well. Uh, that's great. We're both passionate about changing the world this way, and we, we know what we're doing is the right thing to do. So we're excited yeah. about it. Very, very good. I uh, appreciate you sharing that. And uh, one more thing. Uh, are you in New York? Where are you at, Pete? So I'm in Anderson, Indiana, okay. uh, where we do our production testing r&d and then we do design and marketing out of uh, the new york office i see okay okay very good i was gonna ask do, do the wives get along okay is that is that do they uh is that is that 
haven't actually met yet. We're working oh. on that. I've been, I've met, I've met his wife and he's met my wife and, you know, we've been back and forth with each other, just like one person going to the other location, but our whole families have not met yet. So we're okay. hoping, hoping this new year we'll be able to pull that together. I think that'll oh, yeah. happen. Uh, very good. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing, uh, some personal stuff and a little bit about your backgrounds and uh, early careers. Thank you. I, you know, it just helps the listeners get to know you as human beings, you know, not just, uh, business owners. So appreciate, appreciate you sharing it. So let's get into the car, the flying car. I, I, I want to talk about it. Um, and, and talk about the, talk about specifically, I have lots of questions about the the design and car itself, but how about the formulation of the business? Maybe who, I don't know who wants to go there, but is it, um, you two, is it you two? Did you start with other investors early on? Uh, walk me through the kind of the early stage of developing and building the company and naming the company. Who wants to kind of give me that overview? Sure. I can do that to give Pete a break. Um, I, um, I would say that, I mean, the, at the core, it's it's us, it's Pete and I, um, and we've built around around the two of us. Both of us are super hands-on, and all the thank you, Pete, for all the kind things you said about me. Um, I feel the same way with Pete. He's, he's super hands-on, and he builds things, and I'm the same way. I, I get in the garage, and I, I sand, and I, you know, work on composites, and I, I know how things are made, and Pete's the same way, and, and it's, in that way, it's been a great combination where we know how to build things and so we're able to delegate as well so on his end he's brought in people on electrical and flight software outside firms to help us with that i've brought in people on kind of the, the composite side the aerodynamic um analysis and development side and so in that way we've been able to with very a small pre-seed uh with small pre-seed funding that we received last February, we, we've been able to accomplish a lot because we, well, we haven't been able to bring on uh, staff yet, but we have been able to hire select people uh, and outside firms to help us in key areas and help us to, to grow ah, and I got continue you. the prototyping process. Pre-seed um, uh, pre from other people plus money you, you both put in or just sweat equity on your parts or how are you doing that? Or you, it's been, you, yeah. yeah. Well, I will say that Pete, on his end, he brings a whole lot in terms of the the stuff he's been building already, the the jet drones, the jet pack, like there's a whole bunch of tech he brings and has transferred IP over to Leo Flight for us to accomplish this. Mm, um, mm. So, you know, how do you quantify that? You know, yeah, that's tough. Um, that's a tough it's one, a lot yeah. of value there. So, <laughs> um, but in terms of most, you know, our, our fluid or, you know, um, Capital has come in from investors, from individuals primarily. Uh, we've had okay. one institutional come in, but it's been, I mean, our investors are awesome. They've been people that that are passionate about what we're doing. They, they see the potential and um, most of them have been from Pete's area, from uh, relationships he's built, really. I see. Um, I see. Okay. And um, have turned wrenches in Pete's hangar and help us, you know, with the prototyping and stuff. So. Can you yeah, tell us, can you share how much cash has been raised or is that's not something you want to give to the audience right no, now? No, it's okay. We've raised uh, about 580,000 uh, okay. so far and we're, okay. we're doing a, a round now for 5 million uh, seed round. 
to mm-hmm. essentially do the pre-production prototype work uh, and um, to build our um, uh, our production design for production essentially to start hiring people to grow to build facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so building the can business. You get, can you get a prototype like this made for for five million bucks? I mean, I'm sure you definitely. Okay. Definitely. Because again, Pete and I take on so much, we, we cover a lot of bases and we know who to bring in. Um, so we have fabrication houses lined up to help, um, you know, uh, a design firm lined up to help because it is a lot of heavy lifting on the design and, and CAD design side, um, which I do myself as well, but I can't do everything. I know enough to sort of delegate that out. Um, so it, okay. it is doable. It is doable with, okay. you know, with okay. our backgrounds. And is know. it, is it split? Um, well, I'm, you've taken on some cash, so it's not 50, 50 right now on the cap table. So you've had to give out a little bit of equity, but I'm assuming you guys are still in control at this point. You're, you're still yes. early on. So you're still in full control. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> will the $5 million raise, uh, will, will, will you lose uh cap table advantage when you get to 5 million or ha- have you, you know, no. Okay. We won't right. lose advantage. No, no, we'll still be in control of the company. Okay. And Pete, um, how do, Pete, how do you separate yeah. duties? I noticed that uh, it just says co-founder. So do you do you have t- other titles? Uh, I mean, you, you've you've talked about how you separate duties, but I guess is it like co-CEO or how are you separating that? Yeah. So officially, because he's younger, I've made him the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> We're really co-CEOs, though. Uh, like yeah who wants to be ceo today um it's yeah we we kind of divided and conquered as needed like okay interesting is like we both carlos ends up doing a lot of the marketing because he's really good at marketing he's got an eye for that stuff he's done all the design work um and to do the hardware and um you know i'm the one in the uh in the hangar when it's 15 degrees out, you know, working on stuff. So that's, right. that's always fun. And Carlos is in New York buying somebody dinner, trying to like close the deal. Right. You know, he's got, so, but um, I, sometimes, sometimes it's a little flip, a little flip. So, but like yeah. I, you know, we, we're, we're both pretty comfortable speaking. We're both pretty comfortable with the, you know, pitching and, and all of that. So we're, we're both, we're both, you know, often called on to do those kinds of things that's why the okay. interview it's uh-huh. a good thing to both be on the interview but yeah we it's just whatever comes up as needed um and i'll just kind of i can go into some detail even on our cap at this point like yeah, we're go for it. so we we had to bring in we brought in an amazing advisory board by the way and right. our attorney our attorney that um helped us incorporate this as a delaware c corporation um, was the attorney that incorporated Tesla back in okay, the early days. Beautiful, beautiful. So we've got a very reputable background, very reputable team. Mm-hmm. We've um, a former FAA administrator. She was uh, a long-term airline pilot and was worked for the FAA for years, led the teams that developed the sport pilot and the drone rules uh, for the FAA. She's perfect for what we do. Um, we've got probably one of the top five artificial intelligence experts in the world on our advisory board. We've got Great. one of the former founders of some of these electric vehicle companies and a, a company that uh, ran aircraft. Randy Schlitter is, has manufactured like 6,000 
home-built aircraft, home-built and factory-built aircraft. So we understand the, the manufacturing side, the vehicle side, uh, aviation, legalities, um, reg regulations, and right. all of those. Things. So we've got kind of everything covered. Um, that said, uh, we've given up about 6% of the company to this point, actually about 5, 5% okay. of the this point and we're hoping to give up about percent in the five million raise how much so we're much yeah it's, how it's a very we've got high valuation um partly because the comparables are so high and the other part is the fact that we've been so efficient we've actually built a flying manned prototype to this point well is that the one is that the one in the video that you see on the website no the lx1 is a flying aircraft now we we fly it only with tethers right now. I saw that. Yeah. That's mostly because we only have one and, mm -hmm. you know, we need to raise more capital to be able to do more broad testing and build a few more so that we can continue to test. And if one takes damage, we're, it's not the end of the game. So um, we're just being super careful with our funding, but we've mm, accomplished good. extraordinary good. amounts that amount of money so uh i can't believe you've the, what i saw in the video that flying tethered device if you got that built for less than five hundred thousand, i don't even know how you did that so yeah you, you've been super efficient for sure which is attractive for investors no doubt about it okay very very good appreciate you uh sharing that open cap or you being open about the cap and then investing in the in the cash because yeah, I get those questions so many times on the podcast, you know, when to take cash, how much to take VC versus PE, when to lose 51%, I mean, you know, on and on and on. And so uh, the listeners are often very curious about the cash part of it and, and the early stage of how you got started. One more question on the early stage before we just kind of get a complete overview of where you're at for, for Leo flight. Um, are you guys paying yourselves yet? Are you living on, are you living on your other businesses that you had or your other revenue streams? I'm just curious if you're, if you're actually taking a salary yet. Yeah, um, we're taking care of ourselves. Like I, I still have income from other sources. Yeah. yeah. So I have, I don't need as much, um, but yeah, we're, we're both paying ourselves a partial salary at this point. A partial Not, salary. Okay. But Not you're every, all in. You're you're both all in at this point. You you have you may have stuff on the side, but you're both 100% in to Leo Flight. You're not you're not working on other stuff. Is that accurate? Well, so like for me, I'm developing my drones and my jetpack stuff still, but all of it ties into Leo Flight. Like it's all the same. Okay. The stuff I work on there also serves as sort of prototypes and prototyping components. So it's it's a two-edged sword that actually works in the favor of Leo flight, no matter what we do. So yeah, it's not anything like off spec though. Like I'm not like selling real estate on the side or something. Yeah. But that could be tricky. I don't know how you're doing that as far as ownership and equity between each other. When, if you're getting something built on the jetpack that's under a different LLC and you're using that technology over here for Leo flight, I mean, that might get, that might get challenging. I mean, is that a fair question? Uh, <laughs> That's a fair question, but I don't think so. Mostly because the the core propulsion technology is something that I brought to the company to begin with, okay. and okay. licensed to the company. I see. And actually transferred the patent for you transferred uh, the patent. Okay, yeah. Some of that okay. to Flight, but Leo Flight sort of relicenses it back to me. So that's how you that, got it. What it actually does is it allows me, like the the DARPA contract I got while while we were running Leo Flight. 
um, I was able to use that funding as a separate line item that was not that was benefiting Leo without coming out of Leo's pocket. So it's a, it's a way to reach out without having to use the resources of the core company. And okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Appreciate you, you, you giving that uh, explanation. Thank you. Um, Carlos, you want to give us the Leo flight elevator pitch as it stands today? Uh, Give us, give us a little elevator pitch. If you were talking, if you had a quick five minute conversation with, with a VC person, kind of give us the overview. And by the way, for the listeners, it's leoflight.com. Leoflight.com uh, is where you can go to see all the uh, great uh, information about the company. Plus some, uh, it's on LinkedIn, it's on TikTok, it's on Instagram, I believe. Is that right, Carlos? That's right. Yep. Okay. But give us the, give us the elevator pitch as it stands today. Go for it. Sure. Well, Leo Flight is really the world's first car company for the sky. And our product is a 200 mile an hour, 250 mile range with current battery technology, electric flying car. And it's really sort of delivering on this Jetsons idea of mobility, of the, the ease of use of a car. You know, you, you leave your front door, you hop into your car, you take off. It's door to door. It's direct. It's personal. It's really combining the speed of an airplane with the the privacy and the safety and well probably a lot safer than a car actually but um speed and convenience uh sort of combination convenience of a car speed of a plane so um the i don't know a lot of people don't really know about sort of the state of the art in aerial mobility right now so i won't Mm -hmm. get too into the weeds on that but when people think of flying car uh if you like if you youtube flying car in Mm -hmm. do a youtube search you're going to see a lot of air taxi concepts and those really are sort of like frame computer back in the day and we're creating a laptop so we're creating a much more agile more compact more practical device for personal use and for fleet use uh, than these kind of big heavy objects that are going to require a lot of heavy infrastructure to operate so mm. okay very good and are you Henry Ford in building the Model A, and then from there the rest of the world picks up on it? Is that the kind of the idea, or do you want? Are you going to present this this technology and this item that then a bunch of other companies can make the same thing, or are you planning on being a car company that sells millions of units? Yeah, there's a couple possible pathways. You know, one that we take the ball all the way and we become the the car company, or perhaps we we merge with with an established automotive company that has okay. the infrastructure already, the manufacturing capability, the distribution. So that's they're, the, they're that's most likely, isn't it? Wouldn't that wouldn't that be most likely? Like it'd Ford, be amazing but... if it was the right partner and that you know they yeah. they we could see that this sort of baby we've built is going to be nurtured and and. Right, right. Grow up, it'll grow up healthy and happy. And Pete, is that is that um, how you see it going? Do you do you see you guys getting this to a certain point, and then Ford calls you and says, "Okay, cool, thank you for designing this for us. We're gonna we're gonna buy it and take it from here." Is that how you see it going down? I, I think that's like Carlos said. It, it is a possibility. Again, it goes back to what you talked about with co-founders: vision, values, culture. Um, what's their vision for it? What are their values? What are their yeah. intentions with this? And how do our cultures combine? Uh, that's going to be the question. And ultimately, 
we'll have to find out, you know, when the opportunity arises. But yeah, that's that's sort of an ideal. Okay. Like as soon as BBC connects, I think that's an ideal path forward. Um, but we're also prepared to build these. I mean, as Carlos was saying, this is automotive in scale, and you know there are car companies out there that build custom vehicles, you know, hand built custom vehicles, you know, a few hundred of them a year or whatever, and they make a good living. And we could start that way and then be okay. fast grow. So okay. it's not uh, it's not that out of the box to think that we could become a car company at some point. Um, and and nobody else, nobody else on the planet has developed this technology um, that, you know, I guess the question is, what does the competition look like? And aren't, aren't Ford and GM trying to do this on the side somewhere? I, I guess two part question. <laughs> well, so General Motors has a design that uses propellers. Um, okay. Ford stands. I haven't seen anything from Ford. Okay some things with propellers as well uh airbus Embraer, um you know joby archer whisk the only other company that's using electric jets is lilium but they're also building a much larger aircraft that actually has large long wings so the infrastructural requirement is still big um okay. nobody is doing what we are doing with electric jets and an automotive footprint nobody that i know this is in England called Bellwether. Um, but they have not really done that much yet. They've built uh, like a half scale model that they've flown around, which is not a big deal. Uh, so All right. that's it. All right. The electric jet propulsion, if I said it right, uh, that technology, is that protected with you guys or everybody can do that? I Just so I understand. It's ours um, on a couple different levels. First of all, we have a patent. And actually, we have a, an awarded patent and some other patents pending right now on it. Okay. But we also have some secret sauce to kind of make it work because it's not trivial. Uh, yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah, uh, that was my one of my biggest questions when I first started looking at your, your company and studying you guys. I thought, I mean, I think that's a, you know what most people would do is I thought, well, isn't like, tesla or ford or somebody already doing this like how are these guys going to compete with these monster companies with billions of dollars to put into technology it was was what i was wondering um my other question was the other big thing is how do you deal with this whole ff faa flight patterns the rights to be even if you even if you had the car built how do you like, don't you have to go through a bunch of things to get it approved to be able to fly this thing around? And I don't know, just, does Congress have to like pass flight patterns for these things? Help, help me understand, Carlos, give me the commoner answer. I'm ignorant to it. Yeah, sure. The commoner answer is if we had a Leo coupe built right now and we're, we're targeting 2025 for early units, but if we had one right now, we could take you for a ride. We could do that under, a specialty sport pilot license. Okay. Uh, so it's not like you can't do it. Um, and even if you had a helicopter right now and, and I wanted to land at your house, as long yeah. as you gave me permission and there was a, you know, enough clearance there. And that's a big caveat, obviously. But if there was, I could do that. Um, there are different types of airspace, like in New York City, it's a very dense airspace. Right. And you can only fly, you know, a thousand. 
in most places, um, there's actually a high degree of freedom. Now, we are also uh, with our um, uh, uh, FAA, former FAA advisory board member, Sue Gardner, uh, she's unbelievable and she's helping us find the best path uh, forward. And there's a new law coming from the FAA, uh, which will be an expansion of the, the sport pilot mm. certification that is mm. you know, around today that will include electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. So okay. the Leo Coupe would fit in that bucket. And what's cool about that is that it will allow limited commercial activity as well. Mm. So mm. if you wanted to use a Leo Coupe to do more than just um, for just more than just private ownership, it, that expands the capability of what we can do with the vehicle. Um, and then, of course, beyond that, you have type certification, which is a, a more rigorous bar to clear. But uh, that's also available to us. Uh, in, the, mm. in the longer term. So we have a, a few different steps we could take um, for the, um, the the sport pilot route. You need uh, to train for 20 hours to get your license. Uh, that includes like two to three hours of solo time. And then additional, you know, obviously learning how to communicate with air traffic control, things like that. And, you know, I mean, that's less than half the time it takes to get your driver's license. So it's it's definitely um, not a crazy bar to reach if you're interested in, in in flying one yourself, getting into aviation. And what's cool about it is, you know, in most cases, you'll be able to take off from your own property rather than having to go to an airport to use an airplane or go to a special site to use it. Mm. Um, Pete, what about the charging stations? I also was thinking about that. And again, I'm asking these questions kind of from an ignorant commoner standpoint. I mean, so where I normally see parking spaces, are you thinking in the future that the parking space, instead of the little white lines where I pull my car into, it's it's one of the pads and you're landing on that and there's just a bunch of these pads around? Is that what you foresee? Uh, that's an option. It's not necessary for the Leo Coupe. You can plug it into, you know, a socket just like an electric car would. Um, the Vertistop pad that we envision will ultimately have sort of an inductive charging system where you would land on that pad. Part of the re part of the function of the pad would also to be to absorb the down thrust so that it doesn't blow dust everywhere. Oh. Um, that's that's a mechanical feature of the pad. The other part mm -hmm. of that will be inductive charging eventually. Uh, but for now, it would just be a plug-in kind of a thing. So you could land in a parking space like you're talking about. Um, if there's you're there just be like an electric car charger and in fact we're right right now we are building with uh sort of a tesla battery pack architecture that would allow us to charge at superchargers um, which are already all over the country so mm. uh, so mm. we would integrate with existing stuff there's no reason to reinvent the wheel on both the battery packs which are proven and tested to automotive standards as well as the charging network that's already established okay let me ask another question that may sound silly do we have enough power to charge all of these tesla vehicles and flying machines that you're making i mean are you so the so yeah. uh, tesla is on track to make a million cars a year or more in the u.s Okay. And uh, if we ever get to anywhere close to that, that would be a really great problem to have 
Um, realize the largest aircraft manufacturer in the world right now uh, is somewhere between Boeing and Cirrus. Cirrus makes small planes and, uh, you know, very light jets. And Boeing makes, obviously, airliners. And they're making anywhere from 400 to 500 units a year. Okay. So if we make 2,000 units a year, uh, we're, we'll be the biggest manufacturer of aircraft in the world. We'll still be about one-fifth of what Ferrari and Lamborghini make every year. So it, it, when you think about scale, uh, we're we're a tiny drop of a tiny drop in a bucket uh, okay. compared to okay. the most. Yeah. Will I have to have uh, a 30 amp or 50 amp? Do I have to do something uh, special electrical at my house uh, for, for my garage? What, what do I have to do with, with electricians to charge my unit? Tesla home chargers run on 120 volt. Like you'd have to charge overnight, but they have, they cost like 500 bucks and they're 120 volt plug into an outlet kind of thing. Really? Okay. And yours will do yours. Is, you're planning on yours to do something similar. Yeah, we can do that or we can do a rapid charger. I mean, we'll, we'll structure around sort of the Tesla offerings. So okay. the, the, uh, the Virtus stop will actually have more of a rapid charge system in it where it'll, you know, when you're landing at home for home charging, it would have more of a, you know, a couple hours to charge kind of thing. So you would, okay. you know, realize too, that if you're using it every day, this thing has a 250 mile range and most people, and that's straight line, by the way, that's not driving miles where you could drive, you know, in circles or whatever in a, in a, in a traffic jam, this is point A to point B direct line. So you're talking probably an average commute, maybe needing to charge once or twice a week. This isn't something you need to charge every day. How do I and, keep from, if it's point A to point B, how do I keep from hitting somebody? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, is there like a radar that, is there like a detection or, detection or so I, I, there would be collision avoidance technology, but also you're going to fly according to FAA rules in terms of okay. airspace. Okay. You have okay. to maintain a certain distance above the ground. Um, again, people don't realize, you know, when you drive cars, you're driving one dimensionally. You're not even driving two-dimensionally like on a boat in a lake. You know, you can go anywhere you want. No, right. I mean, a car is a one-dimensional. You're, you're driving on a line, and then that line changes, and then you change lines. And, and in the air, you've got three-dimensional travel. You can fly at any altitude in any direction. And literally, the amount of density in the air that it would take, you'd have to have billions of these things flying around to have anywhere near what you would have on the ground in a big city. Okay, I appreciate so, you. I appreciate you bringing that up because I keep having this visual in my mind. Uh, there was an old Bruce Willis movie. I can't remember what it was. Where there's all these flying cars and they're all they're all moving in patterns that it looked like it was designed to be uh, in paths where they didn't hit each other. And so I'm thinking right. long term, like how do you how do you keep everybody from crashing? If you were to do the math on that, there was literally like 500 million cars around at that point. Okay, I got <laughs> so you. That's a great problem for us to have, but it's just not okay. realistic. Okay, yeah. I got you. All right, I got you. All right, I appreciate you uh, explaining that. Thank you very much. Okay, so at, as of today, then the company's in a uh, a raise of five million. Um, you're projecting. What did you say, Carlos? You're projecting the prototype by when? What year did you say? So no. So the prototype. That's the five million just goes to that, and we're projecting nine to twelve months fabrication, engineering and fabrication time for the prototype. Okay. The prototype, the objective is essentially to show show the vision. 
Obviously, okay. we're going to be designing for manufacturing as we prototype. We're going to be preparing and planning with it. But it's really think of a show car that that functions. Yeah. You pull the veil off. It's yeah. it's very impressive when you see a full scale vision like that, and yeah. you know, in person, yeah. especially. Uh, but then the next, then we'll do another raise. Well, probably do another raise after that, yeah. most likely, and uh, and that will be fo- focused on the manufacturing mm-hmm. uh, portion. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, since since I had you on the podcast before Joe Rogan gets you on the podcast, which you'll probably be headed for, or whoever, some other famous That'd podcast. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> since I had you on first, does that mean like I get like one of the one of the old samples? You know, once once you're done with it, maybe I get to drive that around. Maybe we can make yeah a deal. something something cool to put on your desk. Yeah, do you have yeah. a big oak desk, <laughs> like a crystal ball or something? Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know. It's inevitable, right? I think the whole thing is inevitable unless, I don't know, oil field, unless oil companies have you guys assassinated or something because you're trying to kill their business. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it's inevitable uh, that this is going to happen. I, I'm just fascinated by how you're going to try and do it with all these big giants in the water with you. I guess maybe even if they're not in the pond with you yet, they're, they're going to be in it. Um, well, look at, look at people said the same thing though, to Tesla back in 2008, true. when the roadster came out, you're going to be engulfed that's no true. time true. by the big true. three and everyone else. And look, I mean, they, they've been serious about what they're doing and, and very consistent and they've grown. I mean, I think Ford is a, a very distant second in production numbers to Tesla. How long will it take for them to catch up? Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think that companies look at, wow, our, you know, our SUVs are selling, our, our gas SUVs sell, our pickup trucks sell, so we're just going to keep selling them, and they don't see the mm. incentive, especially when the incentives aren't there for them to, to make more electric cars. Oh. So kind of a cynical view, but until people see big dollar signs, I don't think they're going to jump into it. Uh, yes, by the way, sir? speaking of speaking yes, of uh, big cars, if I read right, yours is a three seater. Are what about families? You know, uh, husband, wife, partners, whatever. You know, two kids. What, what you know? I need yeah. storage. It's based yeah. on payload. It's 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 based on payload, Steve. So we have about five hundred ten pounds of payload total. So oh. if you had a couple kids and and a couple grown ups, that would work too, depending on obviously their overall weight. But, um, but you know, a four seater, you know, in the, in the future would be ideal, obviously, but we okay. got to start somewhere, you know, and it's better than two. So. Yeah. Pete, Pete, what were you going to say there? I think I cut you off. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, you can get where you're trying to build one thing for everybody. Part of it too, is the regulations, the new regulations that are coming out in 2025 from the FAA is four seats or less, uh, will be under that new rule that'll make it more streamlined. Um, you know, do we want to build a minivan? Not really. Uh, we wanted to build something that was a little more than, than two seats. And we will actually probably make also a two sheet, a two seat option, especially for things like flight training and things like that. Um, but, but, you know, two or three seats, that's still a very practical use. And most, most people don't travel day to day with any more than one or two people at in a car it's yeah. it's where you're traveling unless you've got kids and you're shuttling them to school and things like that 
I mean, there's always going to be need for ground vehicles, you know, for the foreseeable future. So we're not trying to replace the car. We're trying to enhance the potential for what the aviation industry can do for commuting, for getting and relieving traffic off the roads. Um, Speaking of that enhancement, well, I guess at first it's going to be, is this, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Is it going to be for rich people at first? I mean, the average Joe who makes hundred grand a year is not going to be able to buy one of these. So is this for millionaires at first until you can get enough production on it to get the price down for, for, you know, uh, the, the regular guy. Yeah. Some of that depends on the, uh, the new rules coming out as to what you can do with it in terms of making money. But I, we, we envision a potential for the future where you could have a person that's say a little higher net worth, individual owns the thing just to get to and from work let's say they live in the hamptons and they work in new york city and it's a quick flight over there so we could we could fly you know from your hamptons house to new york city but then you get to new york city you turn the keys over as it were to someone who flies it around the city all day and does rides and like an uber almost it Mm. generates income for them and then you can fly it home Mm. Mm. what if Mm. You had a group of people owning, so you could do a fractional ownership. Ten people oh. own these things. Okay, okay. It makes money, but it's also available for them to use. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of opportunity there. I think there's different ways in which we can make it more affordable from that model. But yes, to your point, as we get into higher production, we hope to drive that price yeah. down. Be yeah. as cheap as as a ground vehicle, probably not. But in terms of like what kind of performance it covers and so on um does it even come close like does a ferrari or a lamborghini even come close to what this thing can do not really and again those guys sell eight to ten thousand units a year each so you know can we be in the thousands of units in production early on even yes Uh, i think there's it's the mass adoption is going to take time but that doesn't mean we can't be a multi-billion dollar company in the first 10 years of existence just by meeting those initial demands but how we skin it how we do the commercialization and sort of money making aspects of what this thing could do for people uh in terms of being a business effort as well as just a personal ride i think that makes a big difference in terms of affordability Mm, okay very good any idea what the first one's going to cost yet retail (laughs) how much 459.9 Seriously. Oh, I, I was just joking. I didn't know you were that far along with pricing on it. That really, are you serious? That That's what you're projecting? That's right. All right. All right. Yeah. Very good. Okay. And just for your listeners who are like, that's so, that's crazy. That's, it is expensive. But if you think about the cost of buying an airplane, let's say you're, you're into, you're interested in aviation and you're yeah. cross shopping. You're like, well, yeah. I could yeah. buy a, uh, uh, you know, Pipistrol or a Cessna or something. I mean, you're you're in that half million dollar range. And, you know, this is something that is a lower bar to actually become a pilot. And that's I more see. practical and more usable. Mm, so mm. we see that as one potential group. And obviously, yes, yes more wealthy individuals who want to cut their commute from, you know, the Hamptons to the middle of, you mm. know, downtown mm. New York from, you know, uh, two hours you know, down to, you know, like 25 minutes, got you know? It, got so, it. Okay. Very good. Very good. I know we're almost it's sort of like the Tesla well, model, like that started okay. with the roadster and the, and yeah. the hope is to, you know, bring it to the model three, you know? Okay. With, speaking with of, speaking of that, has, uh, has Elon called yet? Have you had any calls with Elon? 
Nope, not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's coming. I mean, you know, he's going to call, right? I mean, sooner or later, you're going to have that conversation. His hands right? full right now. Yeah, you got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a sink. He's holding a sink. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, very good. Well, I will tell you, uh, Pete and Carlos, um, you guys got guts, balls, I mean, to do this. I mean, seriously, uh, you know, you're, you're taking on a massive, a massive project here, uh, a, a major undertaking. Um, so you know kudos uh you're not you're not scared you're not scared to, to do it uh which which i admire um did i cut out right there on my yeah, one go around in this dimension you know yeah <laughs> we'd rather not watch someone else do what you said someone else right. do the inevitable we'd rather participate there's a good way to end this show right here which is letting the listeners know hey stop watching other people's lives all day long on social media and live your own life and create something. <laughs> That's a beautiful message. <laughs> uh, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you being on the show and sharing your story. And congrats on everything you're building. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, and to your to your viewers, uh, LeoFlight.com, L-E-O-F-L-I-G-H-T.com. It has everything there, all the videos, everything. And we also uh, respond to our emails. So uh, let us know if you have any questions. Thank you.